G'day punters, I'm Mark Duplass. Welcome along to this week's episode of Behind the Box. It's got a massive show coming up for you. As always, joined by my co-host and offsider, Timmy the Battler Newbold. Battler, how's the week been? Uh, g'day, Duke. Uh, the week has been just uh, just chipping away again in hard lockdown where I am in Sydney. Uh, not a great deal to report from our humble little abode here. Um, I guess probably the most exciting part of the week is when the deliveries of the uh, the online shopping come to see what's coming, <laughs> to be quite frank. You know, uh, Paula, my partner, she's become a professional uh, online shopper and I'm actually going all right myself. So, uh, you know, when you hear the truck pull up out the front and the steps come over, oh, what's coming today? You know, that's, that's about the most exciting part of our lives at the moment, Chucky. <laughs> uh, well, I'm based in beautiful Palm Beach on the Gold Coast. I can tell you, unfortunately... For you guys, we're not in lockdown. The sun's beaming down. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is rubbing. a different time of the world. Anyway, <laughs> listen, today it was announced the Greyhound Racing New South Wales and the Greyhound as Pets program has signed Melbourne Storm star Ryan Pappenhausen as their ambassador. Earlier this week, I journeyed up to Noosa Head to the uh, Storm training facilities. I caught up with Ryan and the first question I asked him was, as an elite sportsman and someone who's got blistering speed, his connection with Greyhound Racing looks absolutely ideal. Yeah, it is quite fitting. Um, it's not the first time I've sort of been compared to a Greyhound or, or have similar attributes, being small and, and being pretty nippy. So, um, yeah, to, to be compared to it and sort of now being immersed into that, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fitting. Tell us, where did your love of Greyhound Racing come from? Uh, probably on my 18th birthday, I think, when I started getting introduced to, to punting and the likes. Um, but then from there, I just really liked the animals. Um, it wasn't too long after my 18th birthday, I got involved in ownership, um, going out to the track. I think I actually had my 18th birthday out at Wenny Park. So um, it was a great day, great night, um, great atmosphere. And just from there, just the, the love for the animals and um, just how cool the industry is and, and how easy. And at the time, it was a little bit cheaper than the horses. So um, it was a great way in, great fun. And that's why I love it. And if we talk about greyhounds that you owned, of course, you had success with a greyhound called Gary's Gift. Yeah, yeah, a bit of success at some uh, good odds for Gary's Gift, which was nice. Um, he, he was great fun. He was our first dog we had. Um, it was with my cousins, my old man, um, and my sister's partner. So um, it was great fun. First dog we owned, and um, he had a few wins at big odds, like, like I said. But um, yeah, just, it was just fun sort of getting around, going to the track, heading down to Dapdale and watching him run, just things like that. And, um, it sort of brings you together um, as friends and gives you something to cheer about on the weekend. Tell me, how does it compare winning a big game of footy to winning a greyhound race? So what are the similarities like there? Yeah, honestly, it's um, it's that thrill that you you only experience from those certain events. Like winning a football game, I can't reenact how it feels, but it's the same with winning with one of your own dogs. Um, going to the track and actually experiencing it and um, I'm sure you've put a few bets on the dog as well. So when it comes home, you see it coming down the straight and it's in the lead. Um, it's quite a euphoric feeling actually. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Ryan, obviously racing is one part of our industry, but after Gary's Gift's career was over, you actually rehomed him yourself. Yeah, we did. Um, I sort of planned to, to rehome him with us and my family, but um, obviously moved down to Melbourne and that was a little bit hard. And, and my partner got a little puppy at the time, so it was going to be a little bit too hard. But um, yeah, we ended up rehoming Gary, which is what I was really passionate about. And um, that's the thing I love about the industry too. There's definitely a life after racing, and um, that's what I feel really strongly about. And um, yeah, pretty happy I was able to do that. And as you said, people very quickly fall in love with a greyhound. They are a very lovable greyhound, a very lovable animal as a pet, uh, as a racing dog is one thing. But when you get them home, they get on the lounge, they really do consume your house and your life. 
oh, they're amazing. The, their temperament that they hold, um, oh, it's honestly one of the best pets I think you could have. Um, even after they've raced, all they want to do is just come home, sit down on the couch. Um, they don't take too much maintenance um, and they're just great, great companions. So, um, yeah, to, to have them as a pet after, I think, is something I'd definitely encourage. Um, but, yeah, back in Melbourne, you'd literally see uh, people, it's probably the most popular dog down in Melbourne now is the Greyhound, and it's just good to see them get rehomed, especially after their racing careers. Now, obviously, as an NRL player, winning a grand final is probably the ultimate accolade, the ultimate achievement. Uh, in Greyhound racing, particularly in New South Wales, we now have the million-dollar chase, which is the Holy Grail. Yeah, well, I think there's very similar buzz around that uh, in, in the Greyhound community. I think, uh, I remember it last year, massive event, um, and to have a million dollar prize money for a greyhound race it just shows how far the industry's come and and the people that support it um, you've got footy players into it now that love it uh, get up to watch it and uh, i just think it's a great initiative and, and great race to have and of course one million dollars on offer to the winner of a race certainly gets a lot of people interested oh massively i think uh, especially being an owner um, you only need a small share and you get a small taste of that one million dollars so um, it's a massive for the industry and, and a really good prize for the hardworking people of it. And of course, the Million Dollar Chase has got a great association with the Greyhounders Pets Program, of which you're now an ambassador for us. Yeah, I pretty strong, feel pretty strongly about uh, rehoming Greyhounds after their career. And um, yeah, it ties in beautifully with the Million Dollar Chase. And um, just you can support both sides of the industry, what I think is pretty cool and, and what I'm passionate about too. So to be involved in the Million Dollar Chase and the GAP program, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to rip in and uh, be a part of it. Now you mentioned a few of the boys love to have a punt, love to you know, obviously have a bet on the dogs and that. Tell us, who are the biggest pests as far as punters? <laughs> who are the, I, I, I think I know who you're going to say, but tell me Brendan Smith is one of the blokes <laughs> that just bugs you for tips. Yeah, look, we don't have too many experts, I'll give you that, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a few boys that love a punt and uh, Cheese would top that list, I reckon, and, and Munster would be a close second. And they're, you know, obviously some of them have been involved in horses in the past and that, what are the chances of converting them into ownership of greyhounds? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's definitely something that's been spoken about and um, that's something I'm probably going to teach them is just how to get into ownership and I think that's probably something that um, having this role too, I'll be able to help out other people um, join into ownership of greyhounds and it doesn't cost too much, it's great fun and just another way to bring everyone together and um, yeah, I think that's definitely something I'll pump through the footy team. Let's talk about your footy career, uh, it's well documented, you, you had a terrible case of concussion this year, you're on the sidelines for eight or nine weeks, how have you, how have you adapted to, to that injury and, and coming back and playing now? Yeah, it was tough, it was a tough couple of months and um, just lucky the club sort of let me take my time throughout it and um, got me to where I am now, which is building confidence slowly, but, but surely. And um, yeah, now I'm sort of back playing. Um, there was a period there, I just didn't know when I was sort of going to get better, but um, just turned a corner and now I'm feeling really good. So it's good to go on to games knowing that I can be confident and, and can get back to the old, uh, what I was doing at the start of the season. Obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and for you guys at the Melbourne Storm, you've, and along with the Warriors, you've probably had the hardest case of, of any of the footy teams to handle. Uh, you guys relocated from Melbourne, to Queensland, then you went back to Melbourne, then you had to come back to Queensland. There's obviously a lot of greyhound trainers that are doing it tough at the mm -hmm. moment. What message would you give them as to being able to handle this COVID situation? Yeah, massively. I mean, we've got it tough, but um, sort of mentality I've been keeping throughout is there's people who have it a lot tougher than we do. There's people losing jobs at the moment. Um, so all I can really say to, to the industry itself and the trainers is, uh, it's going to be tough. There's going to be tough periods throughout it, but um, all we can do right now is just try to stick together and 
and try helping her brother out, help a mate out. Um, if you find someone who is struggling, give them a call. Um, even if they're not struggling, just give them a call, check in on them. And I think that's something that the Greyhound community does really well. They're pretty tight knit. And um, yeah, I think that's probably just a little message. It's probably already been done, but um, yeah, if I can say anything, it's just be connect with those ones who, who you haven't connected with in a while, just check in and um, yeah, hopefully they can bounce back and hopefully can get out of this sometime soon. We know the Greyhounds are finely tuned athletes. Their, their racing preparations are timed to the minute. Uh, how do you think Bellier could go as a greyhound trainer, knowing his dedication to the job? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, Bellier loves to push us to the limits, and uh, I think if it was a greyhound trainer, they wouldn't really make it to the track on the weekend, I reckon. <laughs> They'd be too tired to run, but... Um, no, it's funny, like speaking earlier about sort of the Greyhound's week of training and, and our week of training, um, there's definitely similar things about tapering, getting them up for certain races um, and stripping it right back if they're, they're not feeling too good. So, um, bellyache, I reckon he'd push his dogs to the limit. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We're only a couple of weeks out from the semi-finals. Uh, you guys are on a roll uh, heading into this week's match against the Titans. You're, you're shooting down 19 straight. Uh, tell us what the rest of the season holds for you personally and for the team. How do you think it's going to play out? Yeah, well, it's obviously a pretty amazing record what we got at the moment and um, no one wants to lose that. So uh, I think we just got to go, the end goal is to win a premiership and, and that's sort of there at the moment. But at the same time, we've got to be confident with what we've been performing and, and we've, we've got this streak for a reason. So um, there's no point looking at that. It's probably looking at the end goal, the premiership and, and just playing the footy we know we can play and um, hopefully can be there there. Timmy, I've got to say, a really impressionable young guy. Uh, and the thing that really struck me, he's got genuine affection uh, for the Greyhounds. Travis and Hope Elson actually brought a couple of dogs over for us. And as soon as they got there, Ryan basically said, see you later, and went straight to the dogs. And as I said, you know when someone's fair income or not, and Ryan Pappenhausen is a genuine Greyhound lover. Yeah, it's great to see someone with such a high profile getting into the industry. And as you said, he's not, it's not just a commercial deal. It's, he's got skin of the, in the game. He's an owner, he's a punter, and he's got a genuine love for greyhound racing. So that's what I find really, really uh, find it's great about Ryan getting involved because it's not just, you know, it's not just dollars and cents as far as a deal being done commercially. He, he loves greyhound racing. And I love that he's actually a punter too, Duke. But yeah, he's, uh, his name could be up in lights again in what, early October? Uh, Melbourne, they're travelling along beautifully at the moment and he might be up on stage with a, another premiership ring and, and celebrating another victory in the NRL. And it's people like him who can actually change the perception of people who, who may have that, that misguided notion about greyhounds and that when they see someone like a Ryan Pappenhausen, mm. uh, Jessica Fox, an unofficial mm. ambassador for, for greyhounds as pets and that, when they see them and their interaction and the way that they speak about the dogs, it can, you know, establish great cut through with people who may not know what sort of a pet they actually are. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, Duke, we do need these big names. Uh, you know, Todd McKenney, he's another uh, big name here in here in Australia who, who loves greyhounds. He's got two or three uh, greyhounds at home uh, as pets. So it's it's fantastic that these these guys are getting involved and getting that information out there. And and we we you know we're pre preaching to the converted. You know when we're talking you know, a lot to, on these shows like this. You know we all love greyhounds, but it's important these people are you know playing their part and getting the message out to to the rank and file out there, Duke. Yeah, and a terrific footballer as well. All right, we've been a little bit devoid, obviously, because of the pandemic with 
with our racing schedule and that obviously when he's off the scene at the moment, uh, we've spread our, our race programs right across the state. But last Thursday night at DAPTO, Timmy, we had the New South Wales Sprint and New South Wales uh, Distance Championships. Let's talk about the Sprint Championship first. Uh, we had Tick Warrior, who was drawn in box two. It was a scratching in the race and then provided a vacant box to the inside for good odds cash. And again, prepared by Tracy and Frank Hurst, a chaser with a massive upward trajectory. And, and a greyhound we know is capable of running blistering times. She jumped and run and, and pretty much defied all challenges. Yeah, she began fast and she drove hard through that first turn. She had a bit of pressure from the outside with uh, on the rocks coming across. She's got plenty of early burn and wanted to get to the rails. But that's what I love. She drove through that first turn, held her out into the back and then just continued to roll along in front. Zipping Kiros, when he got into second position down the back straight, three or four offer, I thought, well, it'll probably catch up, but she she slung on the home turn and just kept on rolling. 29.51, it's hard to run any greyhound down when you're running 29.51. Early section 534, 16.96 to the back. They don't go any quicker at Dapdale uh, to the top turn. Uh, she, as you said, she's on an upward trend. Uh, she's won 11 out of 19 now. She's got that uh, a golden ticket into the Million Dollar Chase semifinals uh, next year. Uh, she's got, uh, what, age on her side? I think, what is she? She's not quite two years of age yes, uh, yet. So uh, she's got plenty of racing ahead. Uh, collision, Nino Dioro. And actually, another one from the litter went around at Maitland. Uh, Spice Rum on Monday night ran 29.40-odd. Uh, 40 so, uh, yeah, this is a, quite a good litter. And at the moment, she's at the top of the tree uh, of that litter, Duke. I like the fact she's adaptable, Timmy. She's uh, she's run 29.7 at Wenty on, I think, three occasions now. Mm. 29.50, 29.51 at Dapto. But she also, I think she's run 26 even at Bulleye. So, it's, it's rare you see, not rare, I mean, the good dogs do it. They handle a two-turn mm. track and they also handle a one-turn track as well. Yeah, yeah, no, she, she's capable. And she's a, a jump and run greyhound, Duke, straight on the on the lure and catch me if you can. And those greyhounds win more often than not. Uh, she's in uh, great hands with Frank and, and, and Tracy. So uh, if they decide to head to the Million Dollar Chase next year, and I'm sure they will with that golden ticket, she's going to be a genuine player because she's only got an upside from now. As I said, she's so young. So, uh, no, she, she's uh, exciting times ahead for the camp. We had a small field contest, the uh, New South Wales Distance Championship. On paper, it looked a two-dog race between Sound of Silence for the Hearst Kennel and also Super Estrella for David Smith. Last week, Timmy, uh, when we were discussing the race, you thought that Super Estrella could win the race mid-race and show, you know, that speed down the back straight. And that's exactly how it panned out. And answered that question, could she run out the 729? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if you watch the first probably 100 metres too, Jerk, she had uh, she had plenty of pressure trying to get over. Uh, she couldn't quite, uh, she had the uh, uh, Kylie keeping, which was just holding her up in the, the early stages. She couldn't quite get over. So she lost momentum in the first 100 to 150 metres. And when she got around it and then went out after the leader, Sound of Silence down the back straight. And that's where I think the best part of her race over the 700 metres will be is through that midsection. And that is where I think she can break their hearts. She got a little tired over the final stages, uh, but, you know, that was the first 700 metres. So she's going to take a stack of benefit out of it. I think she's I think she's the real deal uh, as a stayer. I think she's a genuine group one 
uh, bitch, and I've got no doubt Dave uh, will elect to, to travel uh, around with her when he can and when the big races do come up in, in other states. Uh, yeah, she, she, she's one out of the box, in my opinion. Well, we are blessed in New South Wales to have some great trainers, people who have been born and bred into the greyhound industry, and our next guest here on Behind the Boxes is one of those people. Mickey Hardman joins us. And, and Mick, you're one of the lucky ones, I guess, mate. You were born and bred into the greyhound racing industry. Your grandfather, your father, they were both greyhound trainers. Mate, tell us your earliest memories of being involved in the dogs. Oh, well, one of my favourite dogs is Brother Fox. I remember when he broke the record there that night, 25-82, I think it was. Um, Shy Julie, breaking 43. All those memories of those good dogs around Harold Park. But going back, I remember, you know, whelping dogs and, and the going to the Nolly Bowmans and, you know, pups and getting cows and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I remember right back to, you know, maybe five years of age. And Mick, the uh, 70s and 80s were, were recognised as a glory days of probably all codes of racing, but in particular with greyhound racing. And plenty of money changed hands in, in those old, uh, old days when I know your dad, he was... He liked a punt in the old days and pulled off plenty of good plungers in his day. Yeah, I remember one night at Richmond, um, they had a dog, Beirut Bomber, I clearly remember. It had He was the first reserve and got a run off the eight. Um, and they had to bring the armored guard, back, armored guard truck back that night to, to, to pay everyone. Hey, Mickey, you and I, we were talking on the phone the other day. We were talking about the, the big money in those days. I was working uh, for a bookmaker at Harold Park and Wentworth Park at the time. And we're talking about we knew when some of the trainers were ready to have a punt. Cousin Sam, I think, wore his white shoes. Uh, yep. Billy Fletcher wore his lucky cat. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, Dad said, you know, it was it was very uh, hard competition in those days. You had to probably win six races before you got to town at Penrith for Richmond. But he always said, he goes, you used to always look for everyone's trait. Like you said, Billy, Billy wore the cap. Cousin wore the, the white shoes and... Um, you know, people smoked and all those sort of things. He said, even though it was different competition, he said, you always knew when you had, you know, when you didn't bet or had to bet. Now, listen, you're based at Parksbourne, which is about 20 kilometres west of Goulburn. Tell us about the property and the facilities that you've got there and also how many dogs you've got on there. So essentially when we, um, we come here, it was just a, it was um, a sheep farm. So we had to strip it all back Um so in the last 13 months, we've done fencing for eight rearing yards out to a five-acre galvan paddock, which is all uphill, sort of rolling hills. Put a dam in. Um, and when we come here, we had four race dogs. And um, so we've extended that out to, I think we've got about 15 inside now. Um, we've got another 12 pre-training kennels outside. Um, and we're on 110 acres. So we're probably only using about 30 acres at the moment. Um, but we're looking, once we finish this in the next two years, we'll go further up the back. And Mick, uh, you've, uh, when did you make the time to full-time, uh, make the move to full-time greyhound training? Because at one stage, you were, I'm right in saying you're running a, a mushroom farm at London Dairy? Yeah, so we're in the mushroom industry for 25 years. Um, and it was only 15 months ago, I said to my wife, you know, I've, I'm done. You know, because we're working seven days a week in the mushroom farm. It's very similar to the greyhounds. Um, so we had two choices. We were either going to go to the Gold Coast and retire um, or go greyhounds. And my good friend, and he's my business partner at the moment, Bill Butler. My wife, I said to my wife and my little son, I said, what do you want to do? I said, I, I, don't, I, don't, 
I'm not phased on what we do. And they wanted to go greyhounds. So that's how we sort of made a decision. I left it up to the kids. But I'm really happy because Ty Runny's only 10. Um, and the lifestyle out here, like motorbikes and, you know, he's got five or six sheep here and some alpacas. So it's, it's been good for him as well. That's a pretty ballsy move, Mick, because, again, only five years ago, uh, we're in the throes of the industry being shut down. What You know, you must have been confident that we were going in the right direction. Yeah, look, to be honest, when the band came in, I was actually at the Gold Coast and Peppers at the time, and I remember I got back to the hotel room and I had about 20 missed calls, so I knew something was going on. Um, so I was always confident that it was never going to get closed down. I think they, the, the, the government got some misleading information and they made a, a knee-jerk reaction, which is fair enough, but it was probably the best thing that's ever happened to us in a sense that we've got a good rehoming program that's come out of it, welfare. So uh, we've gotten very professional in the last, you know, th- four or five years or whatever it's been. You've had a lot of success buying ready to race and perform or ready to race and, and greyhounds that may have had one or two starts are from Dennis Barnes. A lot of them are bearing that Nangar prefix. And I'm pretty certain you're going to tell me that the fastest dog you've ever bought from Barnesy was Nangar Russ. But unfortunately, a greyhound that was plagued with injuries his entire career. Yeah, it's a shame because just before he broke his hock, you know, I took him to, to sand down. He broke 29. Then I went back on the Thursday and he ran 29.03. Then he, I, I went back the following week and he won there in 29.03. And then COVID set in. Um, so I, I just tried him at Goulburn and he broke his hock. Now, it took me nine, but, nine months to get him back to the track. But as you know, Duke, they come back. He didn't lose a stride in ability, but he just lost his confidence in, in a field. So it was really unfortunate. And I guess for you buying dogs from Barnsley, you know that they've been well-read, they've been well-prepared. Um, and as for someone who, you know, I know you've got pups coming through now, Mickey, but, but you need those dogs in your kennels to, to be able to race week in and week out. Oh, yeah, certainly. You, you know, we've, I've got, I'm lucky I've got probably eight city-class dogs in the kennel. Um, and they're all, most of them are all Dennis Barnes's line. But we've got, on the other side, we've got a lot of bread and butter dogs there as well. Um, so you need, you need a sort of a balance of both. You're not always going to have the good dogs. Um, so we've got bread and butter dogs there. Um, but Dennis Barnes, and I, I love it. They, they, they just, you know, they can go for 50, 60 stars. They're just, like you said, they're well-read, well-bred, well-educated. And, you know, all you do is, when I get them, all I can do is clip a lead on them and they're ready to go. And Mick, over the last year or so, Zulu Warlord, he's been the flag bearer for the kennel. He's won 14 out of uh, 29. He's run 29.50 odd around Wenny Park, and he won the uh, New South Wales Sprint Championship at Bathurst uh, a week and a half ago. Yeah, look, I bought him after he won two races, uh, a race at Maitland. Um, Fantastic chaser. I believe he's batting above his average at dog lock. He's got a lot of ability over 450. You know, he struggles to find the line a little bit, but, you know, he's a fantastic chaser. Stack of early speed. We, we've seen him. We know how notorious a wide runner he is, but surprisingly, I guess in one way, Mickey, but you look at his runs off inside boxes, just that early toe that he's got, he's able to make these races his own. Yeah, he's, um, he's a very competitive dog. Like, if you troll him, he, he runs like a, he trolls like a fifth-grade dog. But as soon as you put him with one other dog, he'll just run best of the day. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a very, very competitive dog. 
we are in the middle of a COVID pandemic and we know how tough it is for so many people and so many people throughout so many different industries are, are doing it really tough. And, and again, as so you and I were talking the other day, you're, you're very firm in your views that you think our industry needs a welfare officer, to, at, particularly at this point in time, to, to provide that assistance uh, to trainers or, or to owners or anyone in the industry. I know GRNSW are in the process right at this minute in, in uh, speaking with the Gotcha for Life program, but, but you are, you're very firm in your views that some of these people need help and they need help now. Yeah, so part of my decision for, for getting out of the mushroom industry, I, lo I lost a friend um, probably about, well, two, three years ago um, to mental health and, and some, some issues he had going on and no one knew about it. Um, and I think the generations coming through are probably, you know, more, well, what can I say, more across this sort of issues now. Um, but I think, you know, there were some issues with some contaminations going on in the last 12 months or 18 months. And I, and I think people really need someone to fall back on. I think, um, you know, social media, it's, I know it's, it's, it's out there for everyone, but it, it, it really affects people. And, and a lot of people don't want to talk and things like that. But if you had somebody to, to ring or, or go to or reach out to, I think it's very important. A lot of the other universities throughout you know, the world have either HR or welfare officers. And I think we need to get on the front foot and go forward and, and put someone in place. You talk about social media, Mick, and, and, and I guess some people, I, look, I don't do Twitter because I, I hate the gutless anonymous people that, that have a different name. So I don't do Twitter. I do Facebook as far as kids, my grandkids and that are concerned. Uh, I'm not a, a large participant in it. But everyone needs to realise, and, and, and you see it on Facebook, people write things. And they need to understand that no matter what they write, there are repercussions to what they do, you know, and they come out and bag someone or bag our industry. And, and, and just lately, I've got to tell you, I've been a bit short because I know what GRNSW are going through at the moment. Like the fact that we're still racing to me is just, it's an absolute miracle, but you still got people, no matter what you do, you're never going to please them, but they want to get on social media. They want to bag uh, people at Greyhound Racing New South Wales or at clubs or different trainers, they've got to understand there's repercussions to everything they write and put out there on social media like Facebook. Yeah, again, like I said, it's um, even, even when you, you get beat in a race and you've got to talk to the owners and, you know, everyone tries really hard you know, puts 110% effort into it. And, you know, when you're not, you, you know, you have your hill peaks and, and valleys in this game. And sometimes when you're down and out and you, and you, you know, you, you just need someone to lean on, I, I think. I think it's, um, like I said, the new generation coming in, they've, they've got that at school and, and through their, their um, teens and stuff. So I think we need to go on the front foot and, and put this in place. Mick, it's a good idea and everyone's doing it tough at, at this particular time. So uh, I'm sure Grand Racing New South Wales will take all of the ideas on board. Uh, let's turn to something a little lighter, trying to find a winner? Or have you got any young dogs or even a, a dog or two we should follow over the next week or two? I'm pretty keen on one on Saturday night at uh, Dapdale. Alderman mm. Katie's had a bit of a freshen up. Uh, any push there for him? No, he's desperate for the inside, that dog. He's not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he is. He's desperate, he's desperate for the inside. Um, Analyzing's going good. 
she she's drawn the eight, I think. Um, she's going super. Chase me honey's in a hard race. I think she's um one of Dave Smith's dog. Um, but I've got a Barshia Bale dog here. Um, he's probably about six weeks away. Keep an eye out for him, I think. Oh, so what? No give up on name. We've just got to go through <laughs> M Hardman's dogs. <laughs> How many Barcia Bale dogs have you got in work, Nicky? Tell us that. Uh, there's about half a dozen there. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's uh, actually he's it, um out of it's a wink. Right. Barcia Bale, it's a wink. He's got he's 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 a real nice pup. All right. Well, that that sort of drilled it down a little bit. Let's hope he doesn't have two Barcia Bale, it's a wink pups in the in the same race. Listen. I just want to talk to you about the future of the sport. And, and obviously for you and your family, you, you, you're now engrossed in it. And I know, as I say, we, we talk about we, we live in a pandemic. What would you like to see moving forward with the industry? I mean, we've seen the, you know, the million-dollar chase come in. We've got increased prize money. We've got new tracks and that. How do you think the industry is going? And, and if there's one thing you would like to see brought in in the future, what would it be? I think the tracks. Um, you looked. At, I haven't been to Grafton, but I've seen it on, on the TV and um, Murray Bridge. Goldwyn's get the new track. I think the tracks are very important to go going forward. Um, but professionalism. I think you know, like we need to get to a level where the, the horses are because people are investing a lot of money into into the sport, and we're generating a lot of money. But I think going forward, we need to be a little bit more professional on a, on you know how we conduct ourselves. Um, I think the dress code is very good, just, just just for the media's sake. And what about syndication, Mick? Are you approached by people looking to get into the industry? How, how's that been for you? Yeah, so we get, I probably get about half a dozen phone calls a week on syndication. Currently, we've got GH syndication. Um, we've got the sketchy few, the winning circle. So anyone who rings me or emails me, I just pretty much will push them on to them. And they'll invite them into a syndication. That's 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 another way going forward. The way the horses do it and all that sort of stuff. We send out videos to the syndications um, of their dogs. I give them a little preview on how, a rundown on how I think they're going to go. Um, that's what I mean. I think going that way of updating um, owners. That's where I think we need to get more professional. Good on you. All right, Mickey. Thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Boxes. I love chatting. You and I could chat for hours about dogs, buddy. Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All the best for the future. And for Timmy, ultimate coat, mate. Maybe not your dog to follow this week, Battler. I'll be sticking solid. I think it's a very winnable yeah. race. Don't worry about the wide draw. I think you can just charge across. He'll be winning at Wentworth Park when we get back to Winnie Park. Don't worry about that, Mickey's runs there were terrific back in late June. We'll be trying on Saturday night, Timmy. All right. Thank you, Mickey. Thanks for joining us and all the best for the future, buddy. See you, boys. Take care. All right, Mickey Harbin there on Behind the Boxes. Timmy, um, as I said, you're in week, what is it, 97, a lockdown or something. Uh, GRNSW, they've introduced uh, changes to the race schedule and also to prize money right across the board. You're deep in the bunker there, the operations centre. Uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, well, there's no city prize money at the moment, Duke. Uh, that has been parked for the moment. And the, the prize money has been spread right across uh, New South Wales. So fifth grade and higher, 440 metres plus, 2,600 to the winner. 
and non-grader races, 3,000 to the winner, uh, Duke. So it's been spread all the way through from Goulburn up through to Grafton, right across the state. And it's encouraging trainers to uh, race in their region, stay locally, because you're racing for the same amount of uh, prize money you're racing, you know, as I said, whether it's Grafton or at the Gardens, Maitland, wherever it is, it's right across the board. 2,600 to the win for the win for the uh, fifth grade, uh, 440 plus, uh, and when we're getting up to the non-grade, 3,000 to the winner. Uh, Warhope and Tyree, both undergoing renovations at the moment. Those dates have been picked up by Grafton. Yeah, for an extra four meetings for Grafton. Uh, so that's uh, with uh, both of those tracks uh, getting a little bit of work done there. So there'll be plenty of racing for all of the uh, trainers uh, up in the Northern Rivers. All right, what's hot and what's not? What's hot for you this week, Timmy? I want to give a wrap to a young trainer, Duke. You like to see these young trainers coming through. Georgia Howard, who's based in the Hunter Valley. She's only 18 years of age. She's had nine starters so far. She's had three winners. She won with a greyhound on the weekend at the Gardens. She had a double at Maitland a couple of weeks ago. And of course, she's uh, she's bred to be a greyhound uh, person. Her mum and dad, Robert and Tina, are owners and owners and trainers. Uh, and breeders, I should say, too. And, of course, her uh, late uncle, uh, John McDermott, who was very close to me, as you know, uh, he would no doubt be looking down very proud of Georgia, what she's doing in the greyhound industry. So I think she's got a bright future uh, in the sport. I know she's she's looking to maybe go into the police force. I read a little article, uh, but she'll be staying uh, in the greyhound industry, which is great to see. And as you know, we've got to give these young, young kids coming through raps and encourage them because... Uh, they're the future of the sport, and you're familiar with a few of the young ones, you know, April McKay, Cam Hallinan. There's a stack around, but I think we've got to do what we can to encourage them all coming through. Yeah, you're right there, because, again, if we don't have that pathways to me, who's going to be training the dogs in mm. 20 and 30 years' time? And this is where you look back, you know, when I was growing up in, say, the, the mid-'70s, and, and some of those trainers are still around today, but, but their kids haven't taken over mm. uh, as far as preparing dogs are concerned. And... Like you said, with, with Rob and Tina, uh, Jason and Rochelle with, with April, uh, Cam, obviously, uh, Fiona and Marty, uh, his parents and that. But I worry, I do worry about where that next generation of trainer are going to come from mm. because we know how ridiculous it is to buy a property. Um, mm. Like, try, you know, to have those facilities like Mickey Harvin's got, you know, down at Parksman and that he's, he's on 100 acres and that. But... How many kids 25 want to go and move their whole life, you know, to a regional mm. town like that? So we need that encouragement. I know Greyhound Racing New South Wales, again, there's a number of projects that are on the board there. And one of those is creating a pathways for, for people to get into the industry. Obviously, in thoroughbreds, it's different because they start as strappers or they're jockeys or something like that. But we need to create that because we need to protect our future going forward, mate. We do, Duke, and it is very important. As you said, that uh, you, you've got to give them all the help you can possibly give them coming through. And, and once you get in, everyone who gets in, in all three racing codes, whether it's Harness, Thoroughbreds or Greyhound, when, it's in, when, when you're bitten by the bug, it's life. You're in the game for life. So it's so important to get them when they're coming in very young. And generally, if you do get into the game when you're you know, in your teens or even younger, you're pretty much in it all your life. You are. Uh, what's hot for me? Uh, trainer David Smith. We spoke last week about trainers who are having great runs like uh, the Jason McKay's, the Andrew Bells, etc. Uh, David Smith, he's had a 
12 or 18 month, maybe even two year run now, Battler, where he has had an absolute raft of winners. And again, it's you, you don't train the amount of winners you have that David has over that pastime, you know, through luck and that. We saw him with, as we just saw previously, Super Estrella winning that distance championship. Uh, he races a lot of those dogs with the ethics suffix, outlaw ethics one last night at, uh, at Bulleye. Only a young guy, uh, ice cream story, Super Estrella, you know, those dogs that he's had in that last 12 months, they are going terrific. So hats off to him. And, and I know you've seen a lot of his dogs oh. when you were calling, mate. I'd say that runs probably extended probably two years, two and a half years, Jim. Yeah. Um, he's had a remarkable run, and, and particularly at Whitworth Park, uh, he was knocking up winning race after race at uh, Winnie for, for a good deal of 18 months, I, I would say. And I've called many of them. And yeah, he's a ter terrific fella, lovely guy. And it's great to see him really getting all of the win winners he does. And he does a bit of traveling too. He's not afraid to travel like all of the Greyhound trainers, Duke. So, uh, you know, you can never knock anyone who's prepared to put the work in. Uh, when they're getting the results. Yeah, and always got a big smile on his face, mate. Yeah. I love it. He's there. Whether he's <laughs> yeah. or lose, uh, he's, yeah. you chat to him, he's always got a good smile. So uh, David Smith is my what's hot. I'll tell you what is sad, Timmy, is the passing of Ted Thompson, who was the longtime secretary manager at Harold Park back in those halcyon days that Mickey and I and you spoke about before. Uh, Ted was the driving force of the GBOTA and, and running those clubs, and they had happened flying at the time as well. Uh, Ted unfortunately passed away last weekend, uh, aged, I think it was 90. Uh, so condolences to his family, probably a little bit before your time, Battler, but I know you've seen Harold Park. Oh, I've seen Harold Park. I didn't ever got to the track, obviously, but um, I have seen plenty of vision of the Harold Park track. And there, you know, like I was probably coming through Duke at the, the when after the glory days, I'd love to have grown up and come through those days, going to the tracks and the big betting plungers and you're in a, you're in a betting ring and it's just exciting. You, there's not that atmosphere at the track these days. It is what it is. We know why, you know, the big reason is Sky Channel. When it came in, um, what, 20 odd years ago now, um, uh, people just, you can sit at home in the comfort of your own home these days and watch. You've got the phone to bet on and whatnot, but yeah, you can see why people don't go to the track like those days, but gee, I wish I was around back in the 70s yeah. and 80s, Duke. I would, have, I would have had a lot of fun at the track. Oh, I can tell you from first-hand experience, yeah. it was fun. And Mickey Hardman, he will testify to that as well. Uh, again, sad news for the passing of Ted Thompson, a man who was a, a great stalwart to our industry. All right, dogs to follow. Your dog, top quality last week, won at massive odds. Oh, you beauty. Yeah, well, actually, mine frozen five got beat, but at least you're on the board. Top quality won at the gardens. What have you got this week? $1.28, Duke. It was a dog to follow, not to actually chime in on Saturday night. So, uh, look, I think it'll win a few more. Don't worry about that. Uh, I do like, as I mentioned earlier uh, in the chat with Mick Hardman, Ultimate Coat. Uh, it's been down in Victoria for a few runs. Back home uh, with Mick, freshen up. Two and two and a half weeks off to Dapto, down sharply in class. It's a very, very winnable race. Bit touchy at box rise, but he's got a good turn of speed. I do uh, agree Mick, with Mick. He is better drawn near to the inside, but he's not that badly drawn in this particular race on Saturday night. I think you can get the money Saturday night, and I think you can follow him over the next six to 12 months because I think he's a certain city winner down the track. He's got plenty of ability. Ultimate cape. Yeah, my dog to follow is a greyhound called Lock Master. Now, this greyhound started his career with a bang. He won a heat and semi-final of the Group 3 Magic Maiden earlier this year at Wente. Uh, he ran 29-7, uh, I think, in his semi-final. 
He was unplaced in the final, then spent five months on the sidelines. He resumed running second at uh, Richmond over the 300. Uh, then he ran unplaced at Bulleye last Saturday night. He was back to his best last night, Tim. He ran 26-23 over the 472 at Bulleye. Best of night. Uh, trained by Pete Lagogiani. He's obviously been very patient. This dog has got a stack of ability. And it's unfortunate for a lot of dogs that we're not racing at Wendy because it's obviously a track that he likes to race at. Yeah, sure is. I did I did call him winning a few of those races at Winnie in, in that maiden series. And there's a good story behind uh, with the, the owner and, and whatnot too. So uh, he, he is a great, he's got uh, plenty of ability. And I know Pete's got a really good rap on him. So uh, a really nice winner last night, 26-23, I think, at Bulleye. So I know he, he's got a big future. I, I concur there, Duke. Yeah, Adam Brand is actually the owner or the registered owner. It's owned by his son. He was given the option when he was, when he was ill. Uh, he could either go to Disneyland or buy a Greyhound. And the smart young fella said, I'll buy a Greyhound. Lockmaster is that dog. So well done to the Brand family. Well done to Pete Lagogiani. Lockmaster is my Greyhound to follow. Battler, that's all we got with this week's episode of Behind the Box. It's been a big one. Ryan Pappenhausen, Mickey Hardman. We've chewed the fat about a few things. Uh, enjoy lockdown. You're going into week 98. Yeah, how's the homeschooling going before oh, I finish? It's going, Duke. It's just going. That's about all. Believe me. I've got to give my partner Paula a rap. She's been much better than I have. Um, yeah. But, you know, we're, we're just chipping away, getting through another week and another week after that. Another week in paradise. Battle the whole catch you next week on Behind the Boxes, mate. Tano Duke has been a lot of fun again. And that's all we have. Uh, don't forget, you can go to thedogs.com.au website for all the latest news, fields, form. And of course, you can watch free live racing there at thedogs.com.au. Until next week, I'm Mark Duclos. This has been Behind the Boxes.